Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone, and today is the first day of Oklahoma State's 2018 football season. Uh, we're going to preview the season today. Uh, I've got Dustin Ragusa, uh, one of the PFB riders who will be joining us shortly. Uh, we're going to talk about just what the season expectations are for Oklahoma State in 2018. Uh, we're going to talk about the quarterback competition, how that shook out, what we expect from uh, from Taylor Cornelius, from Drew Brown, from Spencer Sanders, what we expect from uh, how, how Mike Gundy will handle that situation. Uh, we also talk about what to expect from the running backs, the wide receivers, the new 4-2-5 defense, all that and more. I um, hope you guys will take a listen. If you don't listen before the game starts on Thursday, uh, there's still plenty of interesting and relevant content related to Oklahoma State. Uh, just a kind of a super preview of the season and uh, what to expect. I think everyone expects a blowout on Thursday. Uh, so hope you guys enjoy. Uh, thanks again for listening. Be sure to sc- uh, subscribe and rate it in iTunes. And uh, you can catch it on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, before we get to Ragusa, let's go ahead and get, hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll get to this week's episode. You may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill, but do you know how it will affect you? Angel, Johnston, and Blasting Game does. Their firm of 10 CPAs and 22 total employees is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. Feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb cpas Com. Again, that's 405-224-6363, and the website is ajb-cpas.com. All right, let's get to this week's episode with Dustin Ragusa. I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Boone, and with me today, Dustin Ragusa, the big ragu. Um, we have <laughs> imported him, recruited him from uh, CRFF, who did a, did a great job with uh, CRFF, the podcast with Cade Webb, and he makes his uh, first appearance on the Reload, man. So what's up? Man, I've been off the, uh, I've been off the mic for a little bit, so yeah. I got to see if I still got it. Yeah. If I ever had it. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out uh, over the season. Uh, but <laughs> tonight is your first test, and we're catching you at a good time because you're in a decent mood. You just finished your uh, your fantasy football draft, and you got Kareem Hunt, and I'm pretty jealous because I'm, I'm somewhat of a Chiefs fan. So feeling feeling good about that, feeling good about Kareem Hunt and, uh, and your roster? I feel okay about it. I feel like I've never had a fantasy draft and been like, yes, I love this team. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm definitely glad I got Hunt with the ninth pick. I thought he was probably going to go a little bit before that. But we've always got people. It's a bunch of my Louisiana friends. So people are always reaching for Saints players in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so Oklahoma State plays 
uh, game one tomorrow. I don't know if you know this or not. This is breaking news, but um, we are on the eve of college football season for Oklahoma State. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, we could make up whatever time we want. It's actually ten oh four, but we could say it's midnight, and no one would uh, no one would bat an eye. So we're burning the midnight oil, but. As we look ahead to this season, I'm I'm more and more optimistic. We did some of our PFB predictions today, and I appropriately got roasted because I'm you know I'm I'm kind of all in, and I'm probably gonna regret <laughs> some of this stuff. But um, just as we look towards this season, I want to talk about the offense to start off, um, and I think that starts obviously with Justice Hill, but I think the the point of interest lies with with Taylor Cornelius. What does Oklahoma State need from this quarterback group to be successful this season? Because I feel like there's kind of, um, I don't know if you necessarily say it's a huge question mark, but Taylor Cornelius hasn't started a football game since he was a senior in high school. So it's kind of a big what if, you know, I, I don't know if you know what to expect, but what do you think they need from Cornelius or whoever it is that starts um, to, to, I guess, chalk it up as a, as a successful season in 2018? Well, I think just for the for the whole year, I think what I had uh, in the predictions, I pulled it up a second ago, was I put him at 3,600 yards and 23 touchdowns. So that's quite a big drop-off from Mason Rudolph last season, so we're going to have to make that up in other areas, but I'm expecting a lot from the running game. But it's just tough with Cornelius because, like you said, he hasn't started a game in, what, five years? Yeah. And – you know, he's he's thrown 24 passes in his Oklahoma State career. And I went back uh, earlier this afternoon after work and watched some of the Pittsburgh game and Baylor and Tulsa when he actually got in. And a lot of those were just RPOs. I, there was there were not many times he dropped back and didn't have a ball fake to the running back to start his drop back. So really what, what I want to see from him in the first game and kind of South Alabama as well is yeah. – can he progress through reads? Can he actually drop back, look off a guy if that guy's covered and make a good throw to his second, third target? Because we didn't get to see any of that. I mean, really, a lot of the passes he's completed too was his first read. He mm -hmm. kind of just let it fly. Um, there was a couple times he moved out of the pocket and made some good passes, but I, I just want to see if he can actually play quarterback. Yeah, I I, th I feel like that's what Mason kind of learned to be. Um, when he first got here, I think he was more of like, this is this is my first read, this is my guy, I'm going to lock on to him. And he was impressive because he had a really, really strong arm, obviously. But uh, as he as he progressed in you know, junior and senior year, that was kind of what he worked on. And you could tell that you know he would, he would lock on to a guy. If it wasn't open, he'd kind of progress throughout the field and find his guy. So... Do you think that's maybe the biggest difference between Cornelius and and Rudolph? Obviously, you're you're talking about a four year starter and Rudolph from last year, and a guy who hasn't started since high school. But what is the biggest drop off or difference between uh, Rudolph and Cornelius from last year to this year? Yeah, I think it's that. I th I think you know Mason was able to get comfortable over his tenure as the Cowboys' mm -hmm. starting quarterback, and he was able to get a lot of familiarity in game with his wide receivers and Cornelius just doesn't have that you know he's he's been doing it at practice and in scrimmage and you know dur during the spring game and everything like that but 
it's just so different when you get into the real game. You, you know, you hear people talk all the time about how Brandon Whedon wasn't great in practice and great in the games. So that there's such a big difference between those two scenarios. And it's, it's just, yeah, just the inexperience. He, he's luckily he's got Missouri state and South Alabama to kind of get his feet under him. Cause we're definitely more talented than both of those teams. But, and I guess just kind of, since I haven't really answered your first question, what, what we need from Taylor Cornelius throughout the season to have a successful season is minimal mistakes. Yeah. He doesn't have to win us games, I don't think, in my opinion, but he can't lose us games. He he can't throw interceptions. So he he you think he needs to be like uh an Alex Smith rather than like uh Andrew Luck. Would that be Yeah, maybe be apt? maybe a little bit stronger armed Alex Smith, I guess, cuz yeah. I I would like him to air it out at times, yeah. but um he just got to make smart passes and you know, he took a couple sacks when 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 he got some time uh, to play. Mm-hmm. You know, in in his career, and they were smart sacks. He didn't force the ball anywhere. Uh, his receivers were covered, and he took the sack. So, it looks like he understands the game. But yeah, I, ju- I mean, I just don't really know what to expect. But just to answer your question, I think limiting mistakes more than making plays is what we need from Taylor Cornelius. Yeah, no, I t- I totally agree with you. Just being a first year starter, he has to be smart. Um, just as far as the differences between Rudolph and Cornelius, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but, um, just the fact that Cornelius is, is more mobile, I think is a huge difference maker, uh, for Oklahoma state's offense. I mean, Rudolph was not a statue, I guess you could say, but he wasn't necessarily agile. I mean, you get him moving outside the pocket and he's kind of fresh meat. If he doesn't have a, a guy who's trailing him and, and, leading uh just on the block for him he he's 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 done basically but Cornelius we saw last year he he ripped off a pretty good deep run um and that's kind of his mo he's he's pretty I guess elusive you could say um can can escape defenders and potentially throw on the run I only assume I've never seen him do it (laughs) um so I, I I mean just the fact that he has that capability I think adds a level of intrigue to the offense that really wasn't there under Rudolph. Um, I think that's that's kind of exciting, right? I mean that's what I was kind of hyped about with Spencer Sanders, and I guess we're, we may have to wait and see kind of how that plays out. But just the fact that he's uh, not a statue I think is is promising. Yeah, it's definitely cool that he has that element to his yeah. game. I was trying to think of some comparisons when we've had some conversations earlier this week about QB comparisons, you know, like a, a guy that's a pocket passer, but can move if he needs to, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, probably more earlier in his career, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, guys like that, that are bigger guys that can move around if they need to. And, uh, it definitely adds an element and, you know, there's always the threat that, you know, he keeps it on the ball fake to the running back at yeah. times on on a type of zone read, or even if they add the quarterback RPO in there type of thing with the running back receiver and his option to run it. So that's definitely cool. It definitely adds another little element. And especially when you're losing stuff, like, like we talked about experience with going from Rudolph to Cornelius, it's definitely nice to have something you can add back. Like, like you said, Rudolph wasn't really a statue, but he definitely didn't have the, I don't think that same athleticism and mobility and kind of want to, to run the football that I think Cornelius will at times. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. 
Uh, let's transition to the running backs because I, I already feel bad that we've gone this long without talking about Justice Hill. That's my dude. <laughs> uh, Heisman, Heisman front runner. Okay, maybe not exactly, but um, Justice, uh, as by all accounts, had a really strong offseason. I think that's been the case every offseason since he's been at Oklahoma State. Um, there's been talk from, from Gundy and, and from others that the plan going into the season is to limit his carries. They want to get him to around 15 carries per game, which is kind of his sweet spot. Um, I, I guess the assumption being he has an NFL career to think about and he wants to stay healthy for the entire season, which makes sense. But if that is the case, um, that would be, I mean, I, I feel like that would be kind of doing OSU's offense a disservice. What do you think about Justice only getting 15 touches, and what does that mean for OSU's offense? I just don't – I think Gundy can go into the season with that plan in mind if he wants to, but yeah. it, it's going to have to change in game because if Justice is you know in a rhythm, if offensive line's blocking well and we're just pounding a team on the ground, I, I feel like you have to keep giving them the ball until they can figure out a way to stop it. Yeah, and what I mean, what if what if uh, Hill's got the hot hand in Bedlam, and he's he's up to like 150 yards, and he's at 14 carries, he gets to number 15, and they're like, oh well, that was a great 30 yard run. Uh, why don't you why don't you put in King and see what he can do? <laughs> yes, like, yeah, the, the, I, the, I don't think you can hard cap it. He hasn't hard capped uh, Hill just for the record, but I mean, like, just generally speaking, 15 seems like kind of a low number, and. Uh, just putting a cap on it in general just seems kind of crazy. Well, it sounds good, you yeah. know, to say that to the media, and you know, I'm sure Justice likes his coach to, you know, know that he's, you know, Justin knows that he cares about him, you know, look, looking forward to the rest of his career, or whatever Gundy was talking about right. with him going to the NFL. So, it it sounds good, but I just don't think there's any way you can you can do that when you have a talent like that in the backfield, and they obviously have these other guys like JD and LD and Chuba, but. Justice is the man, and you've got to give him the ball if he's just you know, blowing up the defensive line and getting through the linebackers and busting out big plays. Just keep giving him the ball. And, you know, sometimes you have to wear down a defense throughout the game. So what if Justice, Justice gets to 15 in the third quarter and then he starts breaking some later in the game? You're just going to stop giving him the ball because he no. got to his pitch count? No. You know, you, you just can't do that. But – I I do think he is going to be able to bring it down. I think he averaged like 21 carries a game last year. I, I calculated it earlier but when I was doing those predictions. But I think he can get it down from there for yeah. 21 a game. But I just don't think you could get it all the way down to 15. Do, do you think he's going to have a more productive season than last season? I can't remember what your prediction was. I think so. Yeah, I think just, just as far as carries, I think his carries will actually be down just because they've got – um, you know, four running backs that they feel pretty good about. But um, I think where you're going to see an uptick in his in his usage is going to be in uh, his yards per carry, which has been pretty consistently like right at 5.6, if I'm re- remembering yeah. right. Um, and then also in 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 the uh, in the receiving game, I think they're going to use him in the slot in some in some scenarios. I think they're going to try and run him across the field, um, you know, maybe as a distraction to get Tyron open down the field. I don't know, but um, maybe run some screens for him, get him, get him uh, involved, just getting the ball in his hands, I think is going to be the most important. But overall, I think it'd be hard to argue that he can't, he can't be more productive than he was last year because uh, he's put on weight. He looks, he looks good. Um, 
I mean, I don't know what it what it takes to improve in college football. I was never a college football athlete, but um, you know, I, I think he's probably quicker. He's obviously bigger, stronger, and uh, he looks good. Yeah, yeah, he looks good. So <laughs> I th- I think all of that helps. Um, <clears throat> I do think that uh, just the fact that we've already talked about Hill having like some sort of pitch count. Um, is interesting, but I think it's it maybe to me says more about just the confidence level that Oklahoma State has in its other three weapons at running back. Uh, J.D. King is coming back for his his sophomore year. Um, has he obviously he also looks good, um, which is important. Uh, I think he um, he has put on some weight. He looks a lot better. Is a lot more stronger. Uh, L.D. Brown is is obviously coming back, and then Chuba. Uh, who redshirted last year is in the rotation, and he's listed, I believe, as the fourth uh, the fourth running back in the rotation. So, I find it hard to believe that Chuba is the fourth most talented running back in that group. But if he is, I think that says kind of a lot just about the strength of that um, the running back core that they have, and just just how confident they are going into the season that they've got four guys that they can ride uh, behind Taylor Cornelius, a running back. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think they're going to have to do some some type of split back, maybe some diamond. If you have Justice in the slot, you know, another back back there with Cornelius because they've got to figure out a way to get these guys on the field at the same time and get each of them the ball because they're all so dynamic. Like you're saying, you know, JD's big, powerful dude. LD's kind of that scat back type guy. Yep. And then everything we hear about Chuba – is he's got this blazing Gone. breakaway speed. Uh, so I, I think you've got to figure out ways to get him the ball. But I do think they will have Justice in the slot and Justice running that kind of little flare Joseph Randall type uh, route that we saw a lot back in the day when yes. Jeremy Smith and Randall were both there. Because I, I think his receiving yards are going to go way up and his rushing yards might drop a little bit. I, I had him in my five predictions for the season going above 300 yards receiving I don't think we've had anybody go above 300 since Joseph Randall so I definitely think they're going to find different ways to get these guys the ball I'd, I don't know if Chuba can catch but I'd like to see them at least try to throw him the ball if he can because getting him into space would be great I'm mean, even tossing it out to him on a sweep I know we don't really do that a lot in the Oklahoma State offense but I'd like to just see him get the ball a few times a game in some space and see what he can do yeah even on but, kick return or punt return yeah, it's 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 going to be tough, but it's a good problem to have, you know, with that much talent back there. And when you have that uncertainty in experience at quarterback, you know, it's great to have these kind of safety valves, which is another reason I think Hill's going to get the ball in the receiving game because if Cornelius does need a check down, who better to check down to than a guy probably yeah, that's true. six yards away from you in Justice Hill. Yeah. yeah so we'll see, but it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how Yursich uses all these guys, but it, I'm excited about it because I think that it's going to be fun. No, it's a great it's a great problem to have, like you said. Hey, Cowboy Nation, Evan Epstein here. Wanted to take a moment and tell you about my experience with the other Evan over at Angel Johnston and Blasting Game. I've personally worked with Evan over the last couple of years, and he's made filing my taxes a breeze. He's easy to work with, provides you with an extremely professional service, and most importantly, he bleeds orange. I highly recommend contacting his office and, and just seeing what they can do for you. And as always, go Pokes. 
I want to talk about the receivers a little bit because I feel like we're, we may be underrating this group. Uh, they lost James Washington, lost Marcel Aitman. They lost Chris Lacey. Um, they might have lost more, but those are the three that uh, that popped to my mind immediately. And all of our PFB writers on our predictions page that we wrote about today uh, projected the leading receiver uh, of their choice to have more than 1,000 yards besides our intern, Grant. Uh, so, and your your choice is Dylan Stoner. What what do you think about Dylan Stoner and, and just kind of how this wide receiver group is going to shake out? I just think Stoner's the most sure-handed probably of all of them. I agree. Um, he does a really good job of getting open. They run him a lot on those crossing patterns. And, you know, that's a another, again, <laughs> I feel like I'm trashing Cornelius by talking about these kind of short routes, but they're just the more comfortable go-to routes until right. – he gets kind of his feet wet and gets more into the season, a little bit more comfortable in, in game action. So early on, I think that crossing route to Stoner, he's going to be open, especially against teams like Missouri State and South Alabama. And I, I think Cornelius is going to look to him and look to guys like McCleskey. I think both of them are going to be right up there. Um, that's why. That's why I went with Stoner. I, I wanted to lean towards McCleskey, but I I just thought Stoner might is a little more sure-handed and might get the look more. Um, he also just does such a good job of getting open on those quick routes. And I love Tyron. I really wanted to make it him. I'm just a little <laughs> uncertain. But but the thing that I looked at that, that made me want to pick Tyron is the yards per catch. You know, you had Marcel and James both around 20, and Tyron was around the 17 range. And then after that, you know, Stoner and Jalen and these guys are around 12, 11, maybe up to like close to 13. So you're going to need somebody to, yeah, take, yeah. to take those big routes, the 20 and the 19. And who better to do that than Tyron Johnson? He's already, He was already close in those numbers anyway. And even from his limited action at LSU, that, that's what he was doing. Yeah, he's got big playability. Yeah, they were just throwing the ball up to him and he was making plays. So – I could see him sneaking up there. Uh, I saw you put McCleskey, but I could kind of I could lean towards what Marshall said with Tyron Johnson because somebody's going to have to take over those big plays. We know Cornelius has a big arm, and I don't see why it can't be Tyron. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so I I am all aboard on the Stoner train. I I've loved Dylan Stoner ever since he was uh, at Jinx. I went and watched him all the time where he was freaking kicking. Uh, kicking <laughs> returns. I mean, he was like returning kicks, uh, playing safety, playing receiver, playing quarterback. He's doing everything. But uh, I, I think he's probably the most sure-handed. Like if I was going to bet my life on one receiver on this team that will absolutely make a catch in crunch time, it would be Stoner. Um, but Jalen McCleskey I like too. And I think he gets a bad rap probably because – uh, his punt return woes and maybe some fumbles that he's had over the years, but he had a 97% catch rate at Oklahoma State, and I think that's pretty reliable. I think that's pretty good. Um, if I had a 97% on my chemistry exam in college, I think I'd be uh, <laughs> probably getting a lot more money per year than I am right now. <laughs> so I like McCleskey. I think I think he's going to lead the team in, in catches with the 80 um, just a total guess. I don't have any clue, but I think the receivers are probably a little bit underrated and obviously losing Washington and Marcel hurts, but 
when you're replacing him with Tyron Johnson and um, guys like Dylan Stoner and Tylen Wallace and and those guys, I think they're in pretty good shape. I, it's it's got to be really hard to be uh, Casey Dunn, just knowing what he, what he's got coming back every year, uh, just because he's recruited so well. Um, let's move on to the defense. I want to talk about the new four two five, and you talked a little bit about this. You've written some articles uh, for PFB, just kind of breaking down what to expect from this defense. I want to know what what did OSU run before um, before Jim Knowles because it wasn't a four two five. What's what's what did they run before, and what what do you you expect to be the biggest change from last year to this year? Well, it was a lot of 4-3, a lot of zone coverage. Um, we saw Spencer mix it up at times. I, it, he would run a lot of different zones. There's that Tampa 2 zone, which is a type of cover 2 uh, where the middle linebackers kind of dropping back a little bit deeper into the safety range. So you saw a lot of that. You saw a lot of uh, kind of lax off coverage from the corners. Um, you did see him blitz. I, I know a lot of people are talking about the aggressiveness of Jim Knowles' defense. Spencer would bring the pressure at, at times. It just a lot of times on third down, we'd give up those deep curls, those deep outs. And I know that frustrated a lot of fans, but he, I thought he did an okay job of mixing up his blitzes, but Knowles is definitely more aggressive just all around. Uh, you're going to see a lot of press man coverage from the cornerbacks, a lot of one-on-one. Um, the safeties are about 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and playing a little flat footed. So, a lot of times those corners aren't going to have help over the top or it's going to get there late. So AJ and Rodarius, McAllister, these guys, uh, these young guys coming in, there's going to be a lot expected out of them because Duke had some pretty solid cornerbacks playing um, for them last year. And Knowles had some, some talent to work with. So guys like Green and Rodarius are going to have to step up and s- see what they can do there. And then obviously going from three linebackers to two, um, they don't have the star position in Noel's defense, which was Glenn Spencer's type of hybrid linebacker safety. They call it the strike um, in Noel's defense, and it's more of a safety cornerback hybrid, so more of a cover guy. Look for him to be on the slots. So we'll see. I, the safeties come up in the run game. We'll see Malcolm Rodriguez at that strong safety spot. He'll be coming up in the run game and trying yes. to make a play. So, I, and really. The aggressiveness on third down too. You you see, <laughs> Knowles brings a lot of heat on third down. Even third nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I saw him blitzing on third and twelve in the Baylor game when I watched some film. So, it it's aggressive. That word you know is kind of a key word when talking about Jim Knowles' defense in any article you've seen. I love but it. that's yeah. that's what it is. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think the most important thing for this new scheme is just the fact that. I think right now, just the talent on the roster could actually play into OSU's favor just as far as uh, a smooth transition into the four-two-five. because my opinion, uh, the biggest strength of this defense uh, is up front with its defensive line. You've got Darian Daniels, um, you've got Enoch Smith, you've got um, Jordan Brailford, Cole Waltersheet, all these guys, uh, Trey Carter, and so... I think in this defense, what you want to do is uh, create pressure uh, up front. Obviously, you want to put pressure on the, on the quarterback, and you want to pressure them into making dumb decisions. Um, 
just so you can kind of feature your cornerbacks and your safeties because you've got an extra defensive back in the secondary. I think all that is, is good and well, but I am a little bit concerned with just the lack of experience in the secondary. Um, is that maybe overblown on my part or am I making too much out of that? No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. if you look at the two deep that was released, yeah, you've got a lot of freshmen or guys that have not had much playing time other than special teams yeah. at your corner spots, at your safety spots. So I do think though, I know that I know there's, you know, been some rumblings of injuries with AJ Green and then some precautionary stuff with Rodarius, but I do think that both of those guys are really good. I'm really high on AJ Green. I think he's a really talented player. And I, I had him in my bullet prediction as being first team all Big Twelve when it's all said and done at the I end like of the it. season. Yeah. So that's not crazy. But the, yeah, but the pro- the problem is after that is you've got these young guys. You've got the you got uh, Kima Siverin from Texas A&M, the yeah. transfer. You got Tyrell Alexander, the con- converted wide receiver. You've got um, behind Rodarius. You've got Lamarcus Morton, redshirt freshman, and Tanner McAllister who's a freshman. So there's just not a lot of experience. Uh, obviously, Siverin's played the game before, but not at Oklahoma State. So that, I think your concerns are warranted just basically due to the experience because who knows if these guys are good? Who knows if these guys can play in the 4-2-5? They probably haven't before in high school, or it's probably not probably what anything like uh, Jim Knowles is. So we'll see. But I definitely think up front with Rodarius and AJ, we've got – We've got that covered at the corner spots. And then with the safeties, again, just not a lot of experience. So, I, I, like I said, I think your concern's warranted. Yeah, um, that's probably, I would say, one of the most interested positions that I'll be keeping an eye on uh, tomorrow. Obviously, probably uh, first and foremost is going to be quarterback. I'm curious to see how that shakes out. If Drew Brown gets any runtime at all or if, if Spencer Sanders gets in the game, Um all of those are going to be interesting to watch Thursday. Um, so by the time most people are listening to this, it's either going to be Thursday or you're going to know that OSU already won. And the final score of that game, drum roll please. Dustin, what was the final score? We're going to we're going to try and guess this to uh, all the way down okay. to the to the final numbers. I'm going to go with let's say 51 yeah. Oklahoma State to 17. That's really disappointing. That that would be a disappointing outcome. That 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 score? Yeah, 51-17, that's not a blowout. I mean, what is that? That's close. I think it's 34 points. 34, yeah. That's not great. Well, what's yours? Um, I'm going to go like 64 to 9. I just think if we get up big, we're gonna just hand it off to these running backs. That's and true. The clock, the clock is gonna beat us to scoring that many points. Yeah, that so, that's my only thought. Savannah State significantly altered my um, garbage time football game <laughs> expectations. So keep the clock running. Anything less than that, I'm like always really sad about. Um, I I don't think you can expect a blowout because there's gonna be obviously some garbage time if if they get up and hopefully they get up and and get up big early but um yeah should be exciting uh are you go how are you going to consume the game on thursday i will be there i'm gonna head down there with uh, my wife and a couple friends leaving work a little early and heading down there nice okay 
Sounds good. Well, I may see you down there. I'll be uh, getting down to Stillwater about five, and then oh, nice. with uh, Kyle Porter, and we're gonna go try and uh, sneak into the press box. We'll see if they they let us in tomorrow. But it <laughs> uh, should be a fun experience. Looking forward to the season. And uh, Dustin, appreciate you coming on the podcast for the first time. Yeah, man, uh, I had a blast. Let's try and see. All right, so where can people find you on? You have you have Twitter, right? Yeah, okay. at Dust Ragu. It's D U S T R A G U. Okay, all right. And Dustin does a great job with this, uh, covering X's and O's stuff. He is a recruiting guru, which is uh, right up my alley, obviously. <laughs> and uh, so this is a recruiting podcast. So we will definitely have you back uh, for another appearance. I guess not too long from now, hopefully. Sounds good. Okay. We'll maybe see you at the game tomorrow then. All right. See you, brother. See you, buddy.